Geekville Radio. And the host of Geekville Radio coming at you with episode 329, dated April 7th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. We are going to have another episode devoted entirely to Star Wars. I know we've been talking a lot of Star Wars lately, but this will be the biggest one to come along in a while because we're talking the first day of Star Wars Celebration, and we will wind it all up with a look at chapter 22 of The Mandalorian. So without wasting any time, let's dive into the first day of Star Wars Celebration. The big news is that there are three, not one, not two, but three Star Wars feature films on the way. The last one that hit theaters was, of course, Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, which was definitely received with mixed results. But that was in December 2019, three and a half years ago. And that was also the same time as the first ever live-action Star Wars series, The Mandalorian, aired on Disney+. And unlike the feature film, The Mandalorian got pretty high praise all around. I I personally don't recall too many major criticisms about The Mandalorian. If anything, it was that the story didn't seem grand enough. But I think most of us figured that a TV show would have a smaller scale than the big feature films that became the Skywalker saga. But we wondered over the last few years what the future would hold for Star Wars movies. We'd heard for years that Ryan Johnson was getting his trilogy. That looks to be on the back burner at least because he's got those Glass Onion movies coming out. We've heard Taika Waititi is doing his movie, although to be fair, they did Kathleen Kennedy, I believe, said that that movie is still in development. So that one looks like it's going to happen. We don't quite know when. I'm assuming it would be before these three movies come out because that one was already been in motion. But what's interesting to note about all these films is they are at different points in the Star Wars timeline. Much like how Andor is shortly before Rogue One, which was shortly before the original Star Wars, and The Mandalorian is set a few years after Return of the Jedi. But first on the docket, we'll talk the Rey Skywalker movie. Daisy Ridley will be returning to the role of Rey Skywalker on the big screen. The film will be written by Stephen Knight, who's probably best known for Peaky Blinders, and it will be directed by Charmaine Obeid Chinoy. I hope I'm saying that name right. I hope I'm not butchering it. But she is known for the Miss Marvel series that aired previously on Disney+. Plus, The project originally had lost creator Damon Lindelof as its writer before Knight replaced him earlier this year. There was no official reason as to why the change happened, but Wrighty did report a few weeks back that Stephen Knight had been hired after the exit of Damon Lindelof. Now, Ray's movie is going to be set 15 years after the events of Rise of Skywalker, in an era that will now be titled New Jedi Order. 
Now, that title, as fans of the books know, was a series of books in the early 2000s for Star Wars that took place after the final defeat of the Empire, basically. The books throughout the 90s still had the Empire, for the most part, as the major villains. It was just a matter of keeping them from rising again, you might say, which is kind of sort of what the Mandalorian and Ahsoka series will be doing about how the Empire will eventually become the First Order. But the Empire lost a lot of power. Uh, They shrank and shrank as the Republic grew and eventually became a point where I think having the Empire or Imperial sympathizers didn't make much sense because how can you have this villainous Empire that has shrank to a fraction of what it once was. So the new villains became an alien race called the Yuzang Vong. They replaced the Empire as the major villains in the galaxy. They invaded the Star Wars galaxy. Now, I'm not sure, since the Yuzang Vong were from a different galaxy, I'm not sure if that galaxy is from far away or if that galaxy is far, far, far away. Because the Star Wars galaxy is a galaxy far, far away. That would seem to imply that this one is either further or closer. Bad joke, I know. But Daisy Ridley was a surprise guest, a surprise appearance at Star Wars Celebration. She came out during the introduction of those films. Now, the New Jedi Order name does not mean that Yu Zhang Vong will appear, but it does mean that Rey will fulfill the promise she made to Luke Skywalker of reestablishing the Jedi Order. I'm sure she'll likely do this by going through the original sacred texts that nobody seemed to care about for thousands of years. Seriously, though, it could also mean we might get interaction between Rey and Luke's Force Ghost. I would actually be surprised if that doesn't happen. Now, will other sequel trilogy characters return? That remains to be seen. John Boyega has hinted that he's done with Star Wars. He said in a recent interview that at this point, I'm cool off it. I'm good off it. Will you play the character again? At this point, I'm, I'm I'm cool off it. I'm good off it. I think, um, to be fair, what I've, the allies that I found within Joel Taylor, and Jamie Foxx, Tiana Paris, Viola Davis, all these people I've been working with, um, versatility is my is is my path. And I think I think Finn is Finn is at a good you know confirmation point where you can just you know enjoy him in other things, the games, the animation. But right. I, I feel like yeah, seven to nine was good for me. Oscar Isaac, however, has stated that he'd be open to jumping into an X-Wing cockpit and blowing something up. You know, mm. the option is probably always there. Hmm. Um, I don't know. No, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm open, open to, to anything. You never know. But uh, yeah, there's no, I have no real feeling one way or the other. You know, I'm open to any kind of good story, any good thing to do. And time, time's the one thing that becomes much more challenging you get older and with kids and all that it's like where do these things fit in start realizing that there's not not time for all of it but if there was a great story and a great director and kathy came to me and was like hey we've got this idea you know i'm so so open to it i don't know i'm quite open to anything you never know he said that to variety now it also seems unlikely that the film will have an episode 10 opening crawl Lucas has branded the nine episodes as the skywalker saga with the rise of Skywalker as its conclusion. Now, no release date has been given for the movie officially, but IMDb, at least at the time of this recording, shows it listed as a 2027 release. 
So that's four years off approximately. Now, I'm going to go on record here. This is just speculation on my part. This isn't based on any information that, that I had heard. I mean, may, maybe it was out there and I missed it, but I'll say this here that I think this movie will have the return of the opening crawl. I know Kathleen Kennedy had said that fans had missed the opening crawl. So what I think we will get with this is not only will we get the opening crawl, we're probably going to get the new Jedi Order name for the saga, so to speak. It'll go from the Skywalker saga to the new Jedi Order saga, and that way they can title things with new episodes or chapters as that scrolling text goes up. I don't think you'll necessarily see the new Jedi Order name on that opening crawl. Maybe you'll see it as the title. Maybe they'll call it New Jedi Order. But if they're going to call the era of the New Jedi Order, then it makes sense for the individual episodes to have their names and episode titles. Now, the next film probably had the biggest reaction at Star Wars Celebration, and that is that Dave Filoni himself will be directing, and John Favreau will be writing, a movie set in the Mandalorian timeline. Like I said before, Mandalorian was probably the biggest hit to come out of the new Star Wars era, you know, this, this Disney Plus era. A lot of people liked Rogue One as well. And I like Solo as well. I actually like Solo better than a lot of fans did. But everybody seems to love The Mandalorian, at least the first two seasons. The third seasons had some gripes, which we'll get to when we talk about Chapter 22. But it was the first live-action TV series for Star Wars. Fans instantly fell in love with Groku, a.k.a. Baby Yoda. And it has spawned several spinoffs with the Book of Boba Fett and Ahsoka. Now, no premise has been announced as of yet, but it would stand to reason that this would be a finale to all the stories that are introduced in this Filoni-verse or Favreau-verse or Mando-verse, whatever you want to call it. All these series that we're going to get over the next couple of years they will be capped off in this Dave Filoni, John Favreau movie. Whether it'll be called The Mandalorian, I don't know, probably not. It wouldn't surprise me if they do that Rangers of the New Republic story idea because that was the series that's originally going to star Gina Carano but was canceled. Now, the final movie announced, the third movie, is perhaps the biggest surprise. And it's the one I think that, quite frankly, intrigues me the most personally, and that is a film depicting the dawn of the Jedi. Not only will this be an origin of the Jedi movie, but it's going to be directed by James Mangold, who definitely has expertise in helming epic movies. He did Logan, he did 310 to Yuma, he's doing Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny this year, so he's got a well-proven track record on how to make truly epic level movies. And a movie about how the Jedi got established, that's something George Lucas himself had tooled with back to the late 1970s, like back when he first realized, hey, wait a minute, the Star Wars stuff is a big hit. I can make more movies. He did consider going in the direction of episode one essentially being the formation of the Jedi. Now, I don't think that plan really went into that much fruition, but 
there was years ago an appearance Gary Kurtz made, who of course produced Star Wars and Empire. And he talked about the original ideas that George had. And one of them was episode one being to focus on the origins of the Jedi Knights, how they're trained and all that jazz. And the main characters of Obi-Wan and Vader wouldn't have shown up until episodes two and three, respectively. Because remember, really going back in, in the time machine here, it wasn't until after George started making Empire Strikes Back that he decided to make Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker one and the same. The original plan and the original story in the original Star Wars, as well as the first couple drafts of Empire Strikes Back, Darth Vader and Anakin Skywalker were two different people. There even was a scene in Empire that was written that showed Luke talking with the Force ghost of Anakin on Dagobah. That is out there. You, you can find it. But anyway, when once Empire got underway, right about the time he started making Return of the Jedi, that's when George changed his mind and we got the saga as we see it. So those are the three movies. We're getting a Ray Skywalker movie. We're getting a Mandalorian movie. And we're getting Dawn of the Jedi. All of those sound great to me. I'd rather have fewer, better Star Wars movies than a bunch of movies where some are better than others. I do want to know what you folks think. Look us up, geeklerradio.com or in the podcast platform of your choosing for Geekler Radio. Or you can find us on the social media at Geekler Radio and the Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. But with that, we will switch gears and we will take a look at the Ahsoka trailer that debuted at Star Wars Celebration and hit the internet shortly afterward. Now, Ahsoka is the latest spinoff of The Mandalorian. And since we now have a trailer, we're going to do what every other fan does. We're actually going to dive in, pick apart, and overanalyze as many details as we can. Now, the beginning of the trailer, we do see Ahsoka exploring the ruins of some sort of temple. It could very well be one of the many Jedi temples that the Empire destroyed in the years between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. And for me, it was reminiscent of the scene in the second season finale of Rebels, which saw Ahsoka leaving a Sith temple after a duel with Darth Vader. It was the first time we saw half of Vader's mask get chopped off to show the eye underneath. But Ahsoka does go underground like something out of Stargate. She cuts a hole in the ground with her lightsabers. And there is a round insignia on the floor, much like the other Jedi temples we see throughout all of Star Wars. You see it in the Jedi Temple on Coruscant, and I think through the various video games over the years. We do see Sabine. She kneels before her Mandalorian helmet. And this is presumably at her home on the planet Lothal, because that's the planet that Rebels took place on. It was the planet Lothal. That was kind of their main base of operations before they officially joined the Rebel Alliance. But Ahsoka is confronted by three droids wielding electrostaffs, similar to the ones seen by General Grievous's Magna Guards in Revenge of the Sith. We see Hera flying the Phantom. That was a small companion vessel to her main ship, the Ghost. And it looks like she's chasing something. Again, it looks like a big round thing with some insignias in it, similar to like what we saw in the Jedi Temple. I don't know if she's chasing after it. She could be trying to destroy it, I guess, but it looks like she's trying to go after it. We also see Chopper 
in the droid spot in the back of the ship. Now, we do have Ivana Sakno. She is in an undisclosed role as of yet. Maybe it'll get out there, her character name. But she's got her own orange lightsaber. Looks like she gets to kick some butt. She gets to fly as well. And we see Ray Stevenson as Balin Skull, who is presumed to be the main antagonist of the series. I even put the meme out there that showed him saying, I don't always fight Jedi, but when I do, it's with a lightsaber of a different color. The play off the most interesting man in the world, most interesting man in the galaxy. But we do see him with an orange lightsaber. Looks like he gets the infamous hallway action scene now. We do see Ahsoka flying over the planet Lothal. It's one of the main locations that we see in Star Wars Rebels, not just a city, but that tower that it looks like Sabine is looking at her in. That's like one of the main home locations in Lothal. And we see Ahsoka meeting with Sabine. It mirrors one of the final shots of Rebels in which they agreed to look for Ezra Bridger. And Ahsoka tells Sabine that things have changed. This seems to imply that she's found more information about Thrawn's whereabouts. Obviously a big piece into finding out the whereabouts of Ezra as well. Because as fans of the Rebel series know, the last time we saw either Grand Admiral Thrawn or Ezra, they were with those giant hyperspace whales. And they jumped with Ezra and Thrawn aboard their ships. He managed to jump with them into hyperspace. So wherever these whales went is where Ezra and Thrawn went. And perhaps the line that got the biggest pop of the crowd, Ahsoka refers to Thrawn as the heir to the Empire. We probably heard fanboy squeals around the world when she uttered that line. We see Diana Lee and Santo reprise her role of Morgan Elsbeth, which we last saw in season two of The Mandalorian, where she had a duel with Ahsoka. And we do see Balin speaking with Ahsoka in an area that once again has one of those round insignias on it. It also could be the world between worlds, which again, we saw in Rebels. Now, Balin's use of a lightsaber has fueled fan speculation that he may actually be Joris of both from Timothy Zahn's Thrawn trilogy. I don't know if that is the case. My assumption is he's a new character. I know he doesn't have the long wizard beard that Joris both did, but I, quite frankly, I don't think he needs that. I think that was just for effect, kind of give him that evil Gandalf look. We do see Sabine looking at a hologram of Ezra Bridger. That's presumably the message he left at the conclusion of Rebels. It mirrors the opening scene of Rebels because it showed the hologram of Obi-Wan Kenobi alerting the surviving Jedi about Order 66. We see another lightsaber-wielding antagonist battling Ahsoka on what may or may not be Lothal. And we do see Hu Yang, the droid. That almost sounds like a cheer. Hu Yang! But he makes his return. He was last seen in The Clone Wars, where he was voiced by the former and now current Doctor Who, David Tennant. So you David Tennant fans are going to get a little treat with the Ahsoka series. And the Ahsoka logo itself looks to be accompanied with designs and charts from the world between worlds now the series will stream in august so it's likely we're going to get at least one more trailer before it premieres it looks like many if not all of the surviving rebels will be cast and we'll see them at some point throughout the show 
So I'm definitely pumped for this. I, Ahsoka was one of those characters when she first showed up in Clone Wars. I just went, yeah, whatever. This is one of those cases of having the young character, the child character. So it's somebody for the young audience to relate to. I figured that's all it was. It's a trope as old as tropes themselves when it comes to shows that you kind of have the character that the audience sees through the eyes of. And I think that's really what Ahsoka was for a good chunk of Clone Wars. She was kind of that character whose eyes you were seeing the show through. And we're going to come back in a second. And when we do, we're going to dive into The Mandalorian Chapter 22. This is Geekville Radio, and we'll be right back. Attention all Time Lords and Ladies. Geekville Radio presents Examining the Doctor, a weekly look at everybody's favorite Time Lord, the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor to favorite and not-so-favorite episodes of Doctor Who. From Hartnell to Capaldi, Examining the Doctor provides episode commentaries for classic and current Doctor Who fans alike. Examining the Doctor, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at GeekGoRadio.com. We are Mandalorian. And sadly, you're too late to hire us. The Mandalorian enters its final act for season three with its sixth episode, Guns for Hire. It's one of the few episodes to not begin with the. You look at so many episodes or chapter titles of The Mandalorian, it's usually the whatever, the Mandalorian, the, ch- the child, the return, the rescue. And I noticed that the obligatory opening montage focused heavily on last season's episode involving the Corrin which implies this episode will have their return. And one of the first things we heard was a Quarren talking, and I couldn't help but notice his voice sounded a bit like Paul Fries as Boris Badenov in the Rocky and Bullwinkle show. I'll have a little audio here. We'll let you be the judge. Well, let's do things fair with square. We'll draw straws for it. Long straw gets to swim, okay? Okay. I don't know about you, but that certainly sounded a lot like Boris Badenov to me. But what was funny is none of those characters were seen again for the rest of the episode. So I'm not really quite sure the reason why it was there. I mean, I, I know that it established that Axe Wolves and the rest of Bo-Katan's old buddies are mercenaries now. But I don't think they need to necessarily show this. Just say that they're mercenaries, and I think that would have been enough. Just me, but... Bo and Din visit a planet called Plazer 15, where battle droids are wreaking havoc. And the planet's rulers, played by, yes, Jack Black and Lizzo, plead for help with their droid problems since they can't shut the droids down. Now, full disclosure, I know who Lizzo is, but I never really watched or listened to her, so I didn't recognize her. I didn't know until after the episode aired that it was... Lizzo. I'm indifferent on her performance. Jack Black, obviously I recognize, but Jack Black is always going to be Jack Black, so I knew what to expect when I saw him. He was basically being a Jack Black character, and that said, I didn't have nearly the negativity toward them that other fans did. They were just there. It was essentially a cameo. I did think it was kind of funny that so much feedback went into their cameos and not the one of Christopher Lloyd as Commissioner Elgate. I think his performance and his 
appearance kind of got buried in that negativity just because negative tends to travel faster and farther than positive does when it comes to feedback, especially on the internet. But I did think the name was kind of funny, Commissioner Hellgate, because once the heroes analyze the clues and figure out what's going on, they do find out that Hellgate is responsible for reprogramming the, the droids. And I don't know, how could we possibly think to mistrust a guy whose last name is Hellgate? It's like, couldn't that have been any red flags to anybody? His name is Hellgate. Now, the jokes comparing this to a Scooby-Doo episode, I think, are not without merit. You could practically hear Christopher Lloyd saying he would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for those meddling kids. But he gets banished for his crimes. And really, I think the biggest part of the episode was after the planet was saved, Bo-Katan confronts Axe Wolves and the rest of her Mandalorian friends. She challenges and defeats him in combat per Mandalorian ritual to regain command of her group. And the episode ended with Bo-Katan standing tall with her recovered lightsaber. And again, I don't get the negativity towards it. Now, will Hellgate get busted out of custody like Gideon? And come to think of it, where the heck is Gideon anyway? We only have two episodes left and there's still no Gideon. But I do admit this did feel a little bit like another side quest episode, even though it did have Bo-Katan regaining the Darksaber. And I know some people complained that it wasn't one in combat. Here's the problem with that. The problem with wanting the fight to take place is that neither Bo-Katan nor Din would truly be fighting. Din doesn't want to fight Bo-Katan. And Bo-Katan probably doesn't want to fight him. No matter where that fight took place, I don't think either would be fighting with her all. It's reasonable to assume that any fight, even if it was witnessed, would be accused of being fraudulent. It would be basically accused of being a pro wrestling match. One of them loses on purpose. But still, this episode utilized classic tropes once again. The star-crossed lovers, that's a trope as old as tropes themselves. The concept of a civilization completely dependent on technology as well. I'm pretty sure there's been a couple Doctor Who episodes that have used that premise a few times. The soundtrack was a little different and did feel a bit more like something out of Blade Runner. Now that does fit because this was a much more urban-like setting. And the scene taking place in a droid bar, that was hilarious to me. That does, in my opinion, sound like something George Lucas would have done. Droids in a bar. You have droids drinking and actually getting affected by what they are drinking. So that was hilarious. I gave this episode a final grade of a C. There was a lot to like here, but I also see there was stuff that definitely warranted some criticism. I don't think they necessarily needed to do the star-crossed Quarren Mon Calamari lovers. I don't think they needed to do the whole droid side quest unless we're going to get Hellgate back again. Uh, that could be one of those seeds that is planted now that isn't going to show up until the next season because I think it's a pretty safe bet we're getting the fourth season. But still, we only have two episodes left, still no Moff Gideon in sight. So how much time will it take to actually catch up on what's been going on with them? We have to know who bailed him out, who broke him out, where is he, what position does he hold, who is he talking to, does he have a connection to the rest of the Empire, or is he just his own rogue little group? These are all questions that I would assume are going to be answered this season. Because I think to have a season finale without Moff Gideon in it 
considering he was in both the first and second season finales. It just wouldn't seem right to have a season conclude without him. So that's going to wind it up for this supersized Star Wars solo edition of Geekville Radio. If you're listening to us for the first time, first off, welcome. Thank you for joining us. If you want to hear more, we can be found at geekvilleradio.com. You can also find us at the podcast platform you're choosing. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music, you name it. Wherever you can find podcasts, just do a search for Geekville Radio. You'll find us. You'll also find our family of other shows. Train and I do Examining the Dead, which is a horror-based podcast. We also have the Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame, as well as the Nostalgia Trip, where we talk about pop culture of old and maybe some of the pop culture characters that might not be well-known but might have inspired the more well-known characters. I've said before, one of the things that made me realize doing the Lesser Known Geek Hall of Fame was a worthwhile endeavor was when I was at C2E2 a couple of years back for the... 80th anniversary of Batman. And all of the panelists up there had said that three characters that they felt inspired Batman were the Shadow, the Phantom, and Green Hornet. And well, who were three of the first four characters we inducted into the Lesson Ongi Hall of Fame? The Shadow, the Phantom, and the Green Hornet, and citing them all as inspirations for Batman. So I figured that's what showed that I was on the right track with doing a show called Lesson Geek Hall of Fame. And I, of course, cannot forget Mark Short and I do a show called Examine the Doctor about Doctor Who. You might have seen Mark Short on Collector's Call on TV. He has made a few appearances on that show. He talks Doctor Who with me because he's the biggest Doctor Who fan I know and one of the biggest historians of the show, quite frankly. So it's something for... Fans of classic Doctor Who, New Who, all Doctor Who in between. Hopefully you'll find something to like with Examining the Doctor. But that's going to do it for this episode of Geekville Radio. And if you need to contact us, you can reach us at geekvilleradio.com or show at geekvilleradio.com via email. We'll talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of GeekvilleRadio.com, A1-Wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved.